0: Thank you, Bill, standing on the promises, because we have faith in the one who made the promises. Last week I told you a story about a man named Charles Blondin. He's the one who walked across Niagara Falls, the very first one, on a tightrope. 1100 feet. Yeah, I think he's, I still think he was crazy. Uh, But he was a skilled tightrope walker and acrobat, had a lot of experience, probably strongly believed that he could do it, and he did. And he would do it more than one time. But I also said, I know that on that first attempt, had he asked somebody to, come across with him and said, I'll just carry you on my back, they would have said, no way. But until finally, after proving that he could do it several times successfully with doing all sorts of crazy things on it, he succeeded in convincing his stage manager to do so. And they walked across Niagara Falls. Several years ago, Kathy and I were at a banquet. This was in Hayes, Kansas. I can remember it. She may not be able to. But I can remember it. It was put on by Gideon's International, I think. Somebody invited us, and I said, sure, I'll go. They're the ones who used to put Bibles in schools, New Testaments. You may have one. You may have more than one in your collection. I bring that up because they were telling a story about a missionary who was serving in some place. Don't know where. The where really doesn't matter. But the missionary had a house that was built. and He was needing someone to build steps going up to the house. And so the builder started building. And the missionary went to him and said, no, no, they're too short. They're too short. You know, I want them eight inches high. Now, standard building code in the United States is seven and three-quarters to eight inches, I believe. Uh, You know, you get the government involved, they'll tell you exactly how things have to be. And that's because an average person can make that incline and keep a gate going up. But the builder was building it maybe around four inches. The missionary was concerned because that's too many steps. But the man who was building him turned and looked at his children and pointed them out and said, Your children are young. They can't st- step that high. You can step easily, but they need to grow. And that resonated with me because it, it does illustrate the point of how we grow in faith. When you're a new Christian, you have to grow in faith. Now, sometimes a person will, as my friend Brian Cobb in Manhattan, Kansas, who who would say, I was jerked up in the church. So he grew up in a Christian home where that's all he knew. But even though that, there still came a time when he had to put away his parents' faith and reach out on his own faith and start growing his own faith. When a person obeys the gospel, they are a babe in Christ. They're just beginning their walk of faith. We looked at last week, Abraham was called of God. Genesis chapter 12. And we often think of, well, why did Abraham struggle? He's called of God. Later on in chapter 12, you remember there's a famine in the land and he goes down to Egypt. And the first thing he tells Sarah is, you tell them you're my sister or they're going to kill me and take you to be their wife. Well, God had promised him, I'll make of you a great nation, and through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And he didn't have any kids yet. Where was his trust? Where was his faith? It was growing. This would be one hurdle, one bump along the way of faith that he would get through. And then finally, after a few bumps of faith, a few accomplishments in faith, he made it. As we said last week in Genesis 22, God said, Abraham, I want you to offer Isaac your son. My parenthetical would be, you know, Abraham, your son that I promised would be a blessing to all the nations. And you would become wildly, you know, blessed with children through him. That one. The one you really love. The one that was born to you when you were a 100 and Sarah was 90. Sacrifice him to me. Now, when we turn to Hebrews chapter 11, the honor roll of faith or the hall of faith, uh, hall of the faithful, however you want to put it. In chapter 11, and verse 6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. But in verses 17 through 19, the Hebrew writer says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested... Offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was him to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. took Abraham a little while to grow to that point. And that's where we all want to get to that point, where we trust God so much that whatever he says, we will do. Romans chapter 10, and verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Just as Abraham heard the call of God, that was his first steps into faith. And today I want to continue on with this and look at another one of those who are in that honor, honor roll of faith. The Faith Hall of Fame, as I have in my notes here. And that would be Moses. So in Hebrews chapter 11, we'll just stay in Hebrews for a moment to set the scene. And then we will get into Exodus and a few other passages. And maybe wherever I see something, I'll chase it. Okay? That gives me the freedom and flexibility to interject off the fly. By faith Hebrews 11:24 Hebrews 11 verse 24 by faith Moses when he was grown up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Moses. We don't know a lot about the early days of Moses. So there's a lot that leaves us open to speculation about what it might have been, and that's okay. Because he was a man just like we are. Yes, he was called of God. But he still had some of those same feelings that we did. So let's take a look at Moses in the beginning. In Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8, it just says, Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. They were doing work and Pharaoh didn't want that. He was afraid of them making an alliance with the enemies that might come in and attack Egypt. And they would align themselves so that they could have their freedom. Reasonable to be afraid of them, I suppose, at that point in time. And so he enslaved them. But they still grew and multiplied. And finally set out an edict. I want every male child that is born to be killed. And so the midwives wouldn't do it. Because they feared God. And they just told Pharaoh's men, said, hey, the Hebrew women are strong. They're not like Egyptians. They give birth and it's over and done and we don't get there in time. So, the Hebrew still grew. But it says in chapter 2, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months when she could hide him no longer, she took for him, made a basket of bulrushes and dubbed it with bitumen and bitch, put the child in it, placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. His sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. And then along came Pharaoh's daughter. Like they didn't know that this might have been her routine. And so Pharaoh's daughter sees it and her servants see it. They go over and look. The baby's crying. They open the basket and they say, oh, this is a Hebrew child. It's a little baby. It's cute and cuddly. I'm going to take it. It'll be my child. I'll just take it here. They left it here in in the river, in the bulrushes, in the reeds. But Moses' sister was there and runs up to Pharaoh's daughter and says, Shall I go and find a Hebrew woman to be a nurse for you? Yeah, go. And she goes to the child's mother, and they take him away, and she says, Nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. She took the child, nursed him, and when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Moses was probably weaned somewhere finally. Maybe between the ages of two and five. I don't really know, but that's from what I could find out is probably what took place. He was old enough to where they knew he was going to live. Because in that day there were diseases, there were issues of health that might make it tough. Well, as the Hebrew writer said, he chose to be treated as a Hebrew. He didn't count the riches of Pharaoh's court to be something that he wanted why? Because his mother had taught him from a young age that your heritage is one of Abraham's offspring. Abraham, our, your great-great grandfather, Isaac and Jacob, you're going back all those generations and taught him those things. and so he had the beginnings of faith, but at five he now leaves and goes and lives in Pharaoh's court. Where, you know I'll use today's modern language, bright lights and anything you can want. I mean, the finest horse, this is Pharaoh's grand, adopted grandson. You want a horse? Yeah, let's do a good one. Let's go get the best horse out of all of the horses that I had, and that'll be yours. You want to play with your friends? If they do anything wrong, let me know, and I'll talk to their parents, and they won't mess with you again if you have somebody picking on you. He had anything he wanted. He could do anything he wanted in Pharaoh's court. Years ago, Las Vegas had an advertisement. They probably still utilize it sometimes, but it was "What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas." Vegas has got the name with, for the life of me, I wouldn't want a city. I wouldn't want to live in a city that's known as Sin City. I mean, that's a terrible name for a city. That just tells you that all they care about is doing whatever they want. But maybe that was similar to what Moses grew up in. In Pharaoh's court, he had everything and anything that was available to him. But he said no. And he went and lived probably among his people. So Until one fateful day, he makes a decision. He sees an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew, one of his people. And he kills him. He buries him in the sand. And then the next day, two of his Hebrew brothers are fighting. He goes to the one that's done doing it wrong and says, Why are you doing this to your companion, striking your companion? He answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And Moses was afraid. And he thought, Surely the thing is known when Pharaoh heard about it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. You see, Moses had a decision to make. Maybe I can go and apologize to Pharaoh and say, I don't know what came over me. It was an accident. I just reacted. But no, he had left Pharaoh's house at some point in time. Prior to this, I think. And now Pharaoh wants to kill him. So Moses flees. He doesn't call upon God to save him. He just flees. And he comes upon some shepherd girls. And he helps them get water for their flocks. And that's how he comes to know Jethro, becomes his father-in-law. And then it's in Exodus chapter 3, he's at the burning bush. And it says in verse 2, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of a fire in the midst of the bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw he had turned aside, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. I like what Ray Vanderland has said in his videos. When God says your name twice, something to pay attention to. Just like it is for any parent. When I called my kids twice by name, maybe they knew it. Like Ken was saying, if I got my middle name, Winnie, it was my first name. If I got the Marshall Reed, I knew I was in trouble. If I got all three of them, I was really in trouble. But anyway, God called him Take off your sandals. The place you are standing is holy ground. And then he introduces himself. Abraham, or God introduced himself. Moses heard God. Faith was now being reborn from that heritage that he had been given as a young child. And God says, I've heard the cries of my people. You have to read Exodus 2, 3, and 4 to see all this. We're just going to hit the high points for the sermon, or we might be here a little bit longer than you'd like. I understand that. But Bill would like to stay for all of it, so maybe I'll just give it all. So anyway, God calls Moses. He says, I've heard the cry of my people. I'm going to take them out. So Moses was faced with making a life-changing decision. He had already decided he wasn't going to live as Pharaoh's son. He's seen this bush, and God's called him. And now it's a moment, am I going to do it? Well, in chapter 3, and verse 11, when God was calling him out, he says, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? You know, don't we say that sometimes? Who am I? I'm nobody I can't do this. I know God wants this of me, but who am I? People won't respect me. The next thing is, you know, God says, you know, I'm enough. He says, but I will be with you. And this will be a sign for you that I've sent you when you brought the people out of Egypt. And then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. They're going to ask me questions like, who are you? I don't know enough. I'll tell you my name. It is, I am who I am. You know, you say, I don't know enough. Isn't that why we have trouble maybe with talking to our friends and our neighbors about the things of God sometimes? I just don't think I know enough. I'm not going to be able to answer their question. Well, their biggest question should be, am I right with God? And we know the answer to that. And we can help them with that because you know what you've done. And God is enough for you. So God reveals his name so that they would know. And he says, well, the people won't believe me. And now we're in chapter 4 in verse 1. He says, but behold, they'll not believe me or listen to my voice. And he says, what's that in your hand? Now, I was thinking about this while I was writing my sermon. He had this staff. And God says, throw it down. He threw it down and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. Think about this. Moses had that staff for many years, probably, while he was taking care of sheep in Midian. He dropped that thing. He threw it. Maybe he threw it at a sheep in anger because it was running away. He was trying to block it. It never became a serpent. All of a sudden, it's a serpent. Moses is freaking out by this time. He doesn't know what's going on. And then God says, grab it by the tail. And it becomes a staff. Whoa! Moses started. Who is this that I'm dealing with? And then God says, "Stick your hand inside your cloak." He does, and when in a perfectly good hand, it comes out a leperous hand. And now goes, whoa! What is wrong with me? He said, "Put it back in there," and it comes back out clean. Now maybe God's just playing with him, but no, God is wanting him to know that I have the power, and I'm enough. People will believe you. And finally in verse 10, he says, I can't speak. By this time, God's getting a little frustrated with Moses. Oh, Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow speech and tongue. He says, who made man's tongue? Anyway, he says, how about your brother? Because God was angry. Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. And you're going to tell him what to say. And so Moses has a choice. Am I going to walk by faith? And am I going to do what God has called me to do? Or am I going to continue to resist? Moses goes back to Jethro, his father-in-law, verse 18. And says, please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see if they are still alive. Well... He was actually going to go back and take them out of Egypt. He didn't know all about how he was going to do this, but he was coming to faith. And we know the rest of the story of how he did that. He goes and meets with Pharaoh. He throws his rod, his staff down on the ground and becomes a serpent. Pharaoh's magicians do the same thing, but Moses' serpent eats their serpents. He picks up the snake and it becomes a rod again. He tells... Pharaoh, they are going to be plagues. He tells them each one of them. And Pharaoh will not listen to him. Until finally the last plague. Now those first three plagues were on all the people of the land. Hebrew and Egyptian alike. Why? Because God was building in them that I can control this. This is going to happen to you, but now what looks what's going to happen over in Egypt alone? And you and Goshen are going to be safe. And then finally it was the death of the firstborn and he gave Moses the the Passover. The observance to put blood on the top of the door and on the doorpost. Pharaoh's going to let you go. You know, Moses had faith in God by this time. And he would lead them out of Egypt. But on one occasion, as they were going through there, Instead of speaking to the rock, he struck it hard. You see, even God's faithful sometimes get ahead of themselves and they just get frustrated with life just as you and I do, and they react. God wouldn't let him go into the promised land, but allowed him to see it. Moses begged him, wanted to go into the promised land. He says, no, because you didn't revere me. My word, not in the text. In Deuteronomy, the end of Deuteronomy. You see, faith is a growth process. Moses had it all. And we live in a world, well, we live in a world that is corrupt. Jesus said in John chapter 17 about his disciples in verse 14. Jesus in John 17 in verse 14. Considering his disciples, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. You ever felt that way? Jesus' disciples felt that way. We feel that way sometimes. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. We're in the world. We we'll want to be of the world. Moses. Was in Pharaoh's house, but he chose not to live in Pharaoh's house because he saw heaven. He saw the glory of God somehow from his mother's teaching from birth to age five. And he said, No, this is wrong. I'm not going to live this way. And we have to have that faith. But you know what? Sometimes we go down into Midian as well and we're isolated. But God called him, Moses, Moses, oh, what's this? Take off your sandals, you're on holy ground. Moses, you're my chosen one. I'll make you adequate. I'll give you enough knowledge. People will believe you. You will be able to speak. Just go. And it took a while, but Moses got to that point and he said, okay, Lord, I'm all in. I will go. And he led Israel through the wilderness up into the promised land. God wants us to grow in faith. He wants us to not be of the world, but to live in the world so that we can touch others with faith. Your faith. You know, the song that's been picked out for the invitation is, All to Jesus I Surrender. Jesus said, if you want to be one of my disciples, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Faith is coming to trust in God. Now, you can obey God, but if you don't trust God, your obedience, well, that's just because you're afraid. But when you get to the point of trusting God, your obedience is a natural flow of your faith. And you're trusting God in God And not in the aspect of your obedience. That's what God calls us to. To surrender to Him. Moses eventually did it. And you and I must do it today. For without faith it is impossible to please Him. But He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. God will reward you if you come to Him in faith. I don't know where you are today. It may be that you've obeyed the Gospel. I'm assuming that most people have. It may be that you've thought about it, but you just never have. It may be that you just really don't know what that means and you'd like to have a conversation with someone. It may also mean that you just need to say, I'm dealing with something heavy and I just need God. I need you, God. I need your help. If you have a need to respond to the invitation of Jesus, I want you to come to Him. While together we stand and sing this song to encourage you.